part two or a continuation. I'm sorry I don't have the, uh, the, the PowerPoint up today. It would be a little bit easier to follow, but that just means we've got to open up our Bibles more, so I'm actually really happy about that. Um, a few weeks ago when I was planning the first message, Let's Be the Body, I sort of wrote one lot of stuff and I wrote another lot of stuff, but I didn't touch any of that stuff. I only touched that sort of topic. And um, I, I, I just didn't have time to do all of that. That was just, there was too much information in there. That would have been like a, if I were to include all of it, the message probably would have gone for an hour and a half. Nobody really wants that. I don't need to preach for that long. I could if you wanted me to, but I won't. And, um, but I just left it aside and, and went through the weeks and God started showing me other things. And then when I was supposed to preach, I'm like, okay, God, what do you, what do you want me to speak on? And then God sort of led me back to that. I'd, I'd completely forgotten about it and, and God was leading me through that stuff and, and talking to me about it. And then I thought, what did I preach on a few weeks ago? And then I went back to my notes and I'm like, oh, this is, you know, I, um, the part that was next to it, the part that I left out. I'm like, wow, this is, this is exactly it. Thank you, Lord. So it's always really encouraging to have little things like that from God where you sort of know you're on the right track. So last time it was let's be the body. This week it'll be let's be the body part two, I guess. So just a real quick recap from a couple of weeks ago when I spoke. There was a, um, a, a particular mindset that I wanted to address or a particular mindset that I wanted to look at breaking, and that was the urgency to find my safe space or the urgency to find my comfort zone because comfort zones are not really productive in any way. They, 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 they don't let us stretch. They don't let us expand. We we, when we sort of join a church or, or, or when we join a grow group or we join this or we join that or whatever, it's natural for us to want to find a place where we can feel comfortable, but sometimes we tend to take that a little bit too far and we don't allow ourselves to be challenged because I found my little pocket where I feel comfortable and, and, and now you know maybe God doesn't need to challenge me or people don't need to challenge me or I don't need to step out and do new things because I've found where I fit. Okay, sometimes we, we fall into that trap. Comfort zones are a, a trap that stop us from expanding and stop us from growing in God. Um, so we talked about that and uh, we talked about uh, when we were reading through Romans chapter 12, sort of verses 9 right down to the end, uh, you know, just talking about how to effectively love other people in the church, just different ways to handle situations, all the do stuff, I called it, all the things that we do, all the action statements. And then we talked about um, abiding in God or practicing the right stance for our heart. And, uh, and the way I sort of explained the word abide from John chapter 15 was, um, was that we give God our time, we, we surrender our will to God, and we obey God in our everyday life. That's what it means to abide in God. That's sort of how I described it. When we're practicing the right stance for our heart, we find that when we're doing all the stuff, we get more energized by it than worn out. Because it can be really good to do a lot of good deeds and, and you know, doing all sorts of ministry stuff, but if we're not really practicing the right stance in our heart and we're more interested in getting people's recognition than doing it with the right motivation, it can come to wear us out. We can become resentful. We can become bitter. We can sort of, you know, we, we, we can start to go down a wrong path. So it's good to position our heart right when we're doing good things. Um, I also mentioned that we don't need to look for comfort zones if we've got Jesus because Jesus is sort of our comfort zone, if you want to use that word, or he's our safe space. We carry him with us all the time. So we don't need to look for it elsewhere. Uh, we don't need to look for it in things. 
we just it, it it's in us and and when we realize that and when we practice that we're just we're practicing peace everywhere we go and then we finished on the point of um loving people properly means no safe spaces so in a larger context if i'm to love the body of christ properly if i'm to um if i'm to learn to get all of the stuff right and how we treat each other, then that means we've got to determine not to have comfort zones because comfort zones stop us from loving people. Because how many people know that loving someone can sometimes be awkward or or it can make us uncomfortable or or our mind can be somewhere else and we're like, just get away from me or, or something like that. Sometimes it can um sometimes we really have to strive hard to love people. So that's why comfort zones are bad for us. Okay, so that was um, that was a bit of a recap of, of last time I spoke. So this time, I want to sort of focus on the other half of that message, but I still want it to be about all of us and not just you in a singular sense. Um, also, how do we love people? So the other side of that coin is that we need to learn to live a balanced life if we're to love people properly. So... In the Acts chapter 2 church, you see all these people, it says they were all together in you know, one place. You can, you can probably open up to Acts chapter 2 and it's in verses 42 to 47, particularly around verse 44 and, and stuff like that, where they don't, you don't really see any boundaries that they have towards each other. They just sort of let everyone in and, and get to know each other and we're all family and, and it just all looks kind of nice and dandy. And, and I mean, that's a really good summary, but like... I still want to highlight the fact that we do need some me time, you know. Um, otherwise, it's it's going to be hard to just give everybody all of your time. I think sometimes we do put up too many boundaries and we, we exclude people from things, maybe not even intentionally, but we only give people a small section of our life. I think the reason we do that is because quite often our lives are unbalanced and we, in an effort to balance it, we restrict people from spending time with us or getting to know us. But if we learn to get our balance right, we're going to find that it's much more easy to give people access to us and we're not going to feel weighed down or burdened by it. Does that make sense? Okay. I saw a nod. Okay. So I want to... So I actually just gave you the conclusion of my message there when I said um, a balanced life, or I'll, I'll say it now, maybe I said it before I said something similar. So this is really the conclusion. I'm starting off the message with the end of the message. So I'm working a little bit backwards today. A balanced life. Repeat after me. A balanced life enables me to love people properly. Okay. A balanced life enables me to love people properly. If I don't have balance in my life, I'm going to really find it hard to love people properly. Because like I said before, if I've got, if I've got John sitting in front of me and John kind of needs my time and, and he's talking to me, but I'm thinking about another priority, I'm not going to be able to give him my full attention. I'm probably only going to be half listening to him. I'm not really going to be listening to God either because I'm considering that something else is more important. That's not love. And in fact, that's a wrong priority. And I do get we have priorities. So I want to talk about priorities today. I want to talk about right priorities and wrong priorities. And sometimes we think the wrong priorities are right priorities because they're the most pressing. A pressing issue is not always a priority. Okay. Let us turn to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 
to 42. We've gone through this uh, passage a few times over the last uh, year or so. A really good passage. We probably know it very well by now. Mary and Martha. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted, everyone say distracted, with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Has anyone, I didn't do this in the first service, but has anyone ever done that before? Where you're, you're working away and someone else is meant to be helping you and you're like, you know, that's, <laughs> it happens in families a lot. <laughs> that's what Martha's doing right now. My blasted sister's not lending a hand. She's just wasting time. Yeah. Not saying I relate. Okay, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, (laughs) Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Just on a side note, I wonder what Martha's reaction to that would have been or what the first thing she would, oh, that's important, fine. (laughs) You know, anyway, I can just imagine some people like that. Anyway, okay. Martha's priority was clearly different to Mary's, wasn't it? Was Martha's priority a bad priority? No, not really. I mean, she's actually doing a really awesome thing. I mean, she invited Jesus into her home. She was being hospitable to him and the disciples. She was serving them. She was doing all of this stuff. She's been a great host. She was, by all accounts, she was doing everything right. But there was something going on in here. The Bible actually says she was distracted with the good things that she was doing. But Mary chose what was more important. See, Martha, how do I say this? I've written it down. Martha's priority served people in the moment, but Mary's priority served people in the, ro- in the long run. Jesus said, she's chosen the good portion and it won't be taken away from her. Sometimes the way we can tell, often the way we tell a good priority from a bad priority, even if we're doing a good thing, is that a bad priority can feel really weighty, it can feel really burdensome, it can make us feel anxious, it can make us feel really troubled, whereas good priorities tend to bring us peace. Sometimes we can still feel a bit of a a sense of urgency with them. I've I've got to get it done, but that sort of, again, comes down to positioning ourselves right. But a wrong priority, isn't it doesn't always mean you're doing a wrong thing. See, as Christians, we can do lots of good things. We we know how to do good things. We know how to um, we know how to take care of each other most of the time. We know how to invite someone into our home. We know how to serve them. We know how to, uh, we, we see a need and we go and meet it. We know how to do all that stuff. But there's a difference between responding to necessity and choosing what's important. 
So an imbalance in life is an imbalance in our priorities or what we think is important. So ultimately, we have distorted the two most important priorities. What are the two most important priorities? They're the two most important laws, I guess you could say, in Matthew chapter 22, between verses 36 and 40. So the the top priority is to love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. And the second most important priority is to love people, and then repeat after me, as myself. Okay, that bit's very important. I want you to remember as myself or as yourself or as ourselves. Okay. To love God and love people as ourselves. Because not having a balanced life does affect the way I love people. Okay. So when we, because of that, like if we, if we don't have balance in our lives where we sort of turn kindness into this begrudging obligation, we feel like we have to do this and we don't have a choice or this is an expectation. That's, that's what tends to happen when we, because we just, we feel like we should be doing something else. So I want to talk about what balance is and I want to talk about what balance is not because it's, it's going to help us greatly in our lives and it's going to help us greatly in, in, in serving the body of Christ. So number one, click, you know. So balance is not strict. Who here has ever made a timetable for their week or their fortnight or their month? At home we have, we, we have like a, a dinner schedule for the whole month. You know, it's sort of different every night, and we don't entirely stick to it. <laughs> um, I've tried to make timetables for myself before, uh, like a fortnightly timetable. I've tried it a few different times. I can't stick to it. I can't do it. Why? Because life throws curveballs at you. Most days look different to each other. I Like, I... I I like timetables for a guide. I, I can use it as a guide where I sort of, where I loosely follow it. That's actually really nice and I find that helps. And if you've never done that before, maybe try it. It might help you. But I can't confine myself to it and not step outside of it because life isn't like that. It, different things happen all the time. I mean, imagine if you just planned out your fortnight or your month or your week or your day or whatever and nothing was allowed to happen outside that and you just expect nothing to, to move and that's actually a comfort zone. <laughs> in trying to find order into our life, sometimes we, we, we turn something into a comfort zone. It's, it's quite deceptive. Um, okay, now, I was going to use a ruler, but, oh my goodness. Oh, this is what Steve meant when he said, this is on my chair. I just thought he meant like, oh, you can't sit there because this is on your chair. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Okay, life is like this. Now, if I get it directly in the middle... Oh, yeah, hallelujah. Move it a little bit that way. This is how we want life to look, don't we? Perfectly balanced, right in the middle. Is life often like this? No, it doesn't. It sucks, doesn't it? Okay, life is not often like this. This is our goal. doesn't work, or it hardly ever works. And if it does work, get ready for a left hook. This is what life tends to do. This is called finding your fulcrum, right? I love that word, fulcrum. It makes me sound smart. So when you're finding your fulcrum, what are you finding? You're finding your center of gravity. You're finding what works in that season because at times in your life, you'll go through different seasons. That's what Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 says. I show it up there, but, but it says, a time, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. 
Okay, we've got to recognize that and we've got to go with the flow. Okay, so all right, we want life to be like this. It's often not. Sometimes life tends to start steering this way. And the way we find our fulcrum is we learn our, you know, our center of gravity. We, we put pressure on, or I don't want to say put pressure on that part of our life, but we, but we adapt to what that season is bringing in our life so that we've still got balance. Okay, it might, you know, get a little bit more hectic sometimes and we've still got to, you know, we're, so we're finding our fulcrum. Then, then later on, you know, in the year or, or a month later, it might start to swing down this end and we've still got to find that center of gravity so that we're still maintaining a balanced life. So it doesn't stay like that all the time because life isn't strict. Life is organic. Balance is organic. The trick is learning to be adaptable without reacting to situations the way Martha did. Because it can be easy when things fly at you for you to go, okay, I've got to deal with this now. And then something else happens and you're like, oh, I've got to deal with this too. And then, and then before you know it, you've got five things all at your face in, in a period of three days and, and you feel like you're about to explode. That's not being adaptable. That's being reactive. That's not how we want to be. Okay, get rid of this guy. So the first point is balance is not strict. It's organic. It changes. How do we learn to be adaptable and, and have an organic um, balance in our lives. Well, the most important point for that is that we've got to be, we've got to learn to be led by the Spirit. We've got to listen to God in our everyday life. Because I can, okay, something comes my way. I probably know how to deal with it. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. But if it's just another thing to add to my plate, maybe God wants me to do it a different way. Maybe God wants me to handle it differently. Um, there's this wonderful word. It's one of my favorite words. It starts with D. It's called delegation. It's like the best word in the entire world. Delegation. Hey, you want to serve the Lord? Go and deal with this. Hallelujah. No. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's not just for, you know, pastors or teachers or whatever. It's for everybody. I mean, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We can learn to share Dare I say it, burdens, because that's the way the Bible describes it. We can learn to share things. We, hey, can, can you help with this? There's, there's nothing wrong with getting a group of people around you and saying, all right, let's just deal with this because 10 people makes it 10 times quicker than one person dealing with it. Or maybe, see, quite often when God wants to get our attention is we see a need and then we go and meet it. It makes sense. But I'm at, if you're a person that sees needs all the time and you go running to meet every single need, you're going to wear yourself out really quick. Maybe there's a smarter way to do it. This is one of the ways that God teaches us to be wise. When we learn, okay, maybe there's another way to do it. How do I do this more efficiently? Do I need to be the one entirely involved? Or is this someone else's job? Or can I bring something? Can I bring a, a skill or something out of someone else and, and give them a sense of responsibility? I mean, these are the sorts of things that God wants to teach us. This teaches us not just to be a responder to needs, but to be a strategist or a strategist or whatever the emphasis is on that word. Okay, so it's good to be spirit-led. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 18 says, It is good to grasp the one without letting go of the other. A man who fears God will come out from both of them. What's it saying? 
saying, pay attention to God, and he'll bring balance to your life. Amen. Okay. Point number three. So the first one was balance is not strict, it's organic. The second one was that we must be spirit-led. The third point in balance is that it's not too busy, but it is productive. There's a really cool quote by John, I can't pronounce his last name, like Macaranda or you know something like that. But he says, the person that complains about being busy all the time is the person that gets the least done. I agree, because I used to complain about being busy all the time. I wasn't really doing that much. I was just always busy. It's terrible. Why is that? It's a lack of balance in my life. It's setting my mind on the wrong priorities. So it's not too busy, but it's productive. It's productive in everything you do. It's actually about not wasting time. There's even a way to rest and do it productively in the biblical sense. So if you are listening to and obeying God on a regular basis with your time, life simply will not get on top of you. Sometimes we feel like we're getting everything right, and sometimes we feel like life is getting on top of us a little bit too much. Hey, it's an opportunity to lean on God. Quite often when life gets too busy for us, and I understand life does get busy, we tend to lean away from God because we feel like we don't have time for God anymore. But the only reason you feel like you don't have time for God anymore is because the devil has convinced you that you don't have time for God anymore. It's not because you're too busy. That's a lie. I know because I've used that lie. So I have a question. How many things in your life has God actually asked you to do? If you have a pen, I want you to write that down. If you have a phone, I want you to, I don't know, put it on an alarm or something. That, that's a good question for us to go home and think about and pray. And Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all of these things. Have you asked me to do all of them? And God may bring some things up. Well, I didn't actually ask you to do that. You just went and did it. Maybe you could ask, God, is there anything that I'm supposed to do differently? that maybe I'm spending a little bit too much time or a little bit too much effort on, or maybe I could be doing it with someone else, something like that. Maybe God will bring some things up. It's a really good reflection point to think about that will bring balance into your life. Anne Sebastian has a really good saying. It's one of my favorite sayings, and it is, work smarter, not harder. Making the best use of your time. Amen. So for most of us, we have different sections. I, we use the term sections. We have different sections in our lives, right, for most of us. And, and some of you ha- may have more than what I'm about to describe. Maybe some of you have a little bit less, but, but I'm, I'm generalizing here. So most of us have different sections in our lives that we may um, allot time to, or, or maybe we blend some of them together. But, but those sections are God. I need to spend some time with God. You know, God has a section in my life. There is family. Family plays a part in your life. There are friends. There are people you hang out with, people you meet, people you interact with. I'm including acquaintances in on that. I'm including basically everybody else in on that apart from your immediate biological family. There is work. There is ministry. I think I already said work maybe. I don't know. There is work. There is ministry. And there's another one called 
rest. Now, out of all of those, so we got God, we got family, we got friends, we got work, we got ministry, and we got rest. Maybe many of you can identify with this, but for most of my life, I've considered rest to be the least important out of those six sections. Has anybody else ever thought the same? We tend not to think rest is that important. We, we love to be busy. We love to be doing work. We always love to be working on something. How you doing, mate? Oh, busy. What's life like? Busy. You know, busy is, I remember Rod said it a couple of years ago. He said, we use it as a status symbol. I'm busy. That means things are going right. Oh, no, it doesn't. Okay, let's go to Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. This is the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Hallelujah. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day, or but the seventh day, is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Your rest is holy. Do you know that that commandment was before do not murder? It was before do not steal. It was before do not lie. The first three commandments were sort of like, you know, worship only God, don't make any idols, don't use the Lord's name in vain. That sort of encompassed our, our reverence of God. But the very first practical commandment was keep the Sabbath holy. Before anything else, only your father and mother came after that. God considers your Sabbath very important. I'm not talking about you better come into church on a Sunday, otherwise you're not keeping the Sabbath holy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about your rest. See, look, I'm just going to be honest. For some of us, Sunday is not rest. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's, it's kind of like work. It's work we love. We love doing it. It's probably my favorite day in the week. But it's not rest. What is your rest? It might look different for every single person. Okay, let's go to Isaiah chapter 58. We'll just hit that one. We'll read the first three verses, and then we'll read the end of the chapter. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if... They were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? So here is a nation genuinely seeking God's face and he still has a problem with them. So the, sort of the two-thirds of the chapter after that are sort of focused around 
you know, you need to learn to fast right with the right motives. And then at the end of the chapter, verses 13 and 14, God adds this in. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own way or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I'll feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Like, we need rest. It restores us. That's, that's what rest is short for, restoration. I look at Jesus' life, right? And I think, wow, that guy was really intense. He, was, he just seemed busy all the time. He was always doing something. But he rested so much. When I think about it, see, often he'd spend like all day talking to people and preaching and teaching and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, he'd send his disciples away and then he'd go and pray for who knows how many hours into the night. And then, you know, you remember he comes back in the morning and he goes down to the temple and he's teaching again, like first thing in the morning. And then these, these people bring this woman caught in adultery. And they say to her, according to the law of Moses, we need to stone her. Now, what do you say to that? I mean, if Jesus didn't take that time out the night before, after that really long day the day before, how would he have reacted? I sometimes wonder that. <laughs> would he have just said, well, you all need to wake up to yourselves and shut up? Like, I wonder what Jesus would have done if he didn't take that time out to rest and just, and just spend that time with his father. But he was in the right mind. He didn't react. He adapted, but he didn't react. He was very cool about the whole thing. And he sorted them all right out and then, um, and then showed love for her and convicted her at the same time. It was a fulfilling situation for everybody. That's amazing. Your rest is not just for you. It's for everybody. Okay. So according to the scripture, rest has to be regular, not too regular, because God said work for six days and rest for one. He didn't say rest for six days and work for one. Sometimes we like that idea, but I'm sure for many of us, we'd go a little bit nuts after a while of resting for six days and working one. We would lose our marbles. We just love to work. We love to do things. But rest is good. It's holy. And, you know, we honor our creator when we rest because we're honoring our body that God gave us. It's restorative uh, physically. It's restorative mentally. It's restorative spiritually. We honor God. All right. And the reason you do it with God is because you can't restore yourself really without God. You can do a recreational activity, right? And it's nice but you're not restoring yourself in the way God wants you to be restored unless you're doing it with him. Include him in on your stuff. Okay, I have a bottle of water here, right? I was drinking this in the first message. So imagine this water bottle is you. You're like a tank full of water. And you've had a rough week. You're probably sitting right about there. Your tank is certainly not full. You come home and there's a difference between rest and wasting time. Because rest has to be proportional. If it's used in excess, it's not fulfilling. I, 
I used to complain all the time about spending too much time in front of screens, and I sort of still do. <laughs> but I, I used to be a little bit hard in the first service. Philip was sitting here. Philip's a gamer, right? We've got any gamers in the house? Yeah, we see one guy back going, Ugh. yeah. Thank you, Hayden, for, and thank you, Cesar. Um, nothing wrong with being a gamer. I'm just, there's an exclaimer there, okay? can be good to come home from work and unwind with something. But if you're doing it every single day for two, three hours after work, that's not rest. That's a vice disguised as rest. That's a problem. That's an addiction. That's, that's a runaway desire, as Rick Warren would call it, an idol. So it, rest has to be in proportion. And if I'm wasting time or I'm not using rest in, propor- in proportion, I'm not going to fill my tank. Because everything done with God is, is done in balance. And if I'm spending way too much time doing something that is good for a little bit, I mean, it's okay to watch two or three movies a week. But if you're coming home every single day and that becomes your habit, then there becomes an issue. And everybody has a different way of resting and you include God in on different things you do. Okay. So I like, I love to play bass, right? That's, that's one of my, that's one of my passions. I'm actually a little bit jealous of Dario who got to play bass on this stage for like the first time. I wanted to be the, the first bass player on this stage, you know, and, and it was him with the beautiful Ibanez that I've never seen before. Oh my goodness. But I love to play bass, right? That's, that's sort of, that's how I rest, you know? And uh, I understand it's a discipline too and you should you know, spend a little bit of time doing it every day, but I don't need to spend two or three hours every single day playing my bass because other things in my life are going to be neglected. Um, other ways that I rest. I like to go fishing, right? I love to sit there with God and just have a line in the water and I love to catch fish and I like to clean it and cook it. I've only done it like twice now, but you know, I, I like to skate. Not so much in summer, but I, I like to head down to the skate park and have a roll around and try some tricks and, and fall down a few times. I, I actually really enjoy it. But it's, it's good to spend that time with God as well. So when I'm skating, I'll be like, Lord, help me to do a tray flip, you know, and, and I'll be praying and, and, you know, I'll fall down a few times and I'll, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to get it this time. And, and some of the other dudes at the skate park sort of watch me talking to myself and praying and, oh, hallelujah. And, you know, the, you know, they start to get a bit, a little bit freaked out and, and it, <laughs> you know, but, but I love to play bass because it's fun and it's the funkiest instrument in the entire world. Amen. But I also love to worship God on it. Ugh! There's nothing like worshiping God on a bass guitar. Oh my goodness. You know, I, I, I mean, I love to fish because I, I just love to sit there with God. You know, um, when Pastor Steve asked me to preach, I, uh, what did I do? Oh, the first thing I did was I prayed. I thanked God and you know, thank you so much, Lord, um, you know, for your grace and that this is about you and, and not about me. And I know you're going to give me the words to speak and that, you know, this isn't about my opinion. And Lord, I ask you to humble me and blah, blah, blah. And I prayed all that stuff. And then I went fishing straight away. And it was a Monday and it was seven o'clock in the evening. And uh, <laughs> it's just a really odd time to go fishing, right? But when, when he told me that, I realized I haven't really done anything recreational for probably the last five or six days. I've just been constant doing stuff. And I thought, 
I don't want to sit down and get a word from God and plan it all out unless I actually just go out and relax for a little bit. So I felt, hey, just need to go fishing. So I was like, okay, sweet. And then I walked in to see Hannah and, um, and I said, hey, babe, how are you? And she's like, good. What's wrong? And I was like, well, um, I'm, I'm preaching and, um, I just feel like, I just feel like I need to go fishing. You know, and it's a Monday night at seven o'clock. But the good, I mean, that could have gone so many different ways. (laughs) It's an odd time. But Hannah knows my language and she knows when Jamie says, I feel like I need to do something, it means I feel like God's telling me to do something. So she goes, okay, bye. It's like, sweet. And then I went and got my gear. I got my chair. I went down to the channel and uh, sat under a tree and I, I had two lines in the water. I didn't catch anything except a turtle again, which is really frustrating. But I still had a really good time and I just got to sit there, you know, praying and, and praying in tongues and, and spending it with God. And it was just so nice. And I was there for like two hours, two and a half hours. It's, you know, but I don't do it very often. So I don't mind putting in that little bit of extra time. And I got back pretty late. Um, but, you know, once in a while. But it was really nice. And I find when I'm in the habit of regular, regularly resting, see, for me, for most of us, we don't get to rest for a whole day. It doesn't often work like that. Um, if we can, that's great. Um, but for most of us, we only get to have that sort of rest time for a couple of hours. You know, so for me, I find if I'm resting in a way that I like to rest maybe two or three times a week, then I don't come home from work the day after and just feel like I need to turn my brain off and, and you know, watch a movie or, or, or you know, scroll Facebook or something or, or whatever it is that I do to turn my brain off. I don't really need to do that because I'm still energized from the day before when I did whatever I needed to do to rest. See, if you're not really resting, you're going to find yourself in this cycle of wasting time and you think that it makes, that it restores you, but it doesn't restore you. The reason I got my this bottle out like 10 minutes ago is because life tends, life can, you know, wear you down a bit, you know. Oh, that's so good. Okay, but if I'm wasting time, I, I, I don't fill this back up. What happens if, if you just keep plugging away at life and it just, it just keeps disappearing week after week? Like, but I'm not actually resting. I'm not restoring myself. Oh, that was so good. But like, what what's happened now? You know, it's. But sometimes this can be a lifestyle, and and if I'm living a self-destructive lifestyle, and I'm like doing heaps of things, but I'm not actually taking out some me time with God and doing whatever I I need to do for for a bit of fun, then I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna hit a breaking point sooner or later, and it's gonna be really messy, and I'm gonna need a lot more restoration than I should need to have. But if I'm regularly filling myself, what's gonna happen? Like, what would happen if I just had, like, a big jug or if I just put this under the tap and I turned it on, but I just left it there forever? What would happen? It'd go everywhere, wouldn't it? It'd overflow. Brilliant! That's what we're meant to do. We're not meant to deplete ourselves all the time. We're meant to overflow. Psalm 23, verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And that's in the presence of my enemies. Like, it doesn't matter what, how much life is throwing at you. It doesn't matter what 
what's happening, it doesn't matter what's trying to take you, it doesn't matter what enemies are in your presence, it doesn't matter how hard life is, there's no reason why you shouldn't be overflowing if you're, if you've got your priorities right. Love God, love people as yourself. If you don't honor yourself, you won't be able to honor other people. You won't be able to honor God. If, if you don't treat yourself the way God wants you to treat yourself, you won't be able to respond in kind to other people. So balance in life indeed does help you to love other people properly. Yeah? I'm just going to go back to that uh, verse or, or that chapter, uh, Acts chapter 2. We also finished on it last time. Verses 42 to 47. Okay, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Amen. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So the reason you have balance in your life or that you develop balance in your life is not just for you, it's for everybody else as well. If there is one thing I've found that makes the gospel really powerful, it's not just miracles, it's your life and it's the way we live together as a family. Community, a godly community brings people in because they see the gospel all over us. Not just you individually, but how we are together. So we love other people as ourselves. So let's learn to take out some me and God time in whatever, you know, you find an enjoyable way. But don't feel guilty about that. Rest properly and use your time properly. When you use your time properly, see, I decided recently, (laughs) it's sort of working, sort of not, I'm getting there. I decided I wanted to be a high-performance person in general. I would consider Jesus to be a high-performance person. I, that's quite a standard to rise to, but, but I wanted to be a high-performance person in everything. I decided that if I was going to work hard, I needed to love my family hard, which means if I'm going to be doing more stuff for the kingdom of God, then I need to make sure that every second I spend with my family needs to count, which means if I'm on my phone and my wife is in my presence, I'm doing the wrong thing. Put that thing away. Have a conversation. You know, because sometimes she doesn't see me till 11 o'clock at night and she feels kind of robbed that she hasn't seen me all day. So I found that sometimes if I just take some time out, like my lunch break, or I just quickly in the afternoon just just spend time with her and she doesn't feel robbed later at night. It's it's We're not too busy for all the different things in our lives. It's how you spend your time doing it. You can still be productive in those moments and you can also be productive in your rest. Does that make sense? So having balance in your life doesn't necessarily mean doing less, although for some of you it may, but it does mean spending your time wisely in each moment and learning to take some time out as well. So when we go home today, 
let's, let's ask God, what do I need to change in my life? What do I need to think about? What am I doing that I could do differently or what do I need to leave out? Maybe what do I need to add in my life? How can I do things differently and how can I honor you and how can I love people better? Because if we've got balance in our life, we're not going to resent people and we're going to be able to more so let them in without feeling like they're suffocating us. And if we all live balanced lives, love will go through the roof. It'll be amazing. The good community is what we want. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to each one of us and for challenging us in the area of balance because, Lord, we certainly feel like life can get on top of us and sometimes we feel like we're flailing around in the water and and just trying really hard to breathe. But we thank you that you haven't designed life to be like that and that we can learn to rely on you and and we can be adaptable, Lord God, and and we ask you to lead us in those things. We ask you to give us wisdom uh, to handle every situation instead of to be reactionary, Lord God, and, and letting things just ride all over us. Help us to prioritize the right things. Help us to love you, not just emotionally, but practically. Help us to love people, practically. But um, we do ask that you teach us to respect your commandment of the Sabbath in our lives so that we wouldn't violate it, we wouldn't miss it, we wouldn't consider it not important. And Lord, when we, when we do that, would you speak to us and, and really help us to hear your voice? May we soar on wings. May we have productive lives. Thank you, Jesus. Teach us your ways. And teach us to rely on you. And help us to love one another in a really powerful way. Help us to put each other before ourselves, Lord God. We ask these things in your name.